Welcome, gentle listener, and hearken to me hither. I wish to share with thee a sumptuous tale of desire. Reading alone certainly has its place, but some activities are rather more pleasant when shared. The annals of female erotica scarcely receive the accolades they hot. More's the pity. So it is that I seek to pay homage and tip my cap to the literary titans of our age. Let us escape together in wonderment, mystery, and lusty exultation, for these are bleak and uncertain times indeed. Perhaps within the dewy revelry of pulpy romance, we may hope to pluck away our cares and quench the communal thirst of our voracious appetites. Together, we shall curry the favor of gentle solace and ascend to the ethereal plane of our own imagination. Perhaps as we bask in the afterglow of titillation, we may kindle the fires for a brighter tomorrow? Or perhaps tis no more than a brief chance to get our proverbial rocks off. I beseech thee, nuzzle into your headphones and allow this humble token of slightly more than friendship to caress the trembling inner chambers of your mind. Today on Moist Lily, we suckle the scroll of Cressley Cole's delectable yarn, the warlord wants forever. The ancient and decorous temptress missed the coveted has been held prisoner at the behest of none other than the gallant and steely vampire warlord Nikolai Roth. However, as their repartee escalates from biting wit to blood-boiling flirtation, one cannot help but query who exactly has captivated whom. Is this nubile and aloof creature simply a muse for our conquering hero? Or is she something more? No, surely not. Could it be that she is the one foretold? Nikolai's destined vampire bride that would imbue him with the exquisite and almighty powers of a fully-blooded vampire? Of course, behind every great rebel vampire usurper is his blushing bride, and naturally, a vessel to bring forth a glorious new epoch. And so, we alight hungrily to Wrath's resplendent chambers, to drink our fill, and indeed sup from the exquisite tension brought forth from such an unholy union. Did you miss me? Because I missed you, the young female said when a guard escorted her inside his new bedroom and withdrew. Out of habit, Nikolai stood, his ingrained habit when a lady entered, and she flashed him a brilliant smile. A gentleman warrior, who cleans up very well. She fanned herself with her hand. I think I'm in love. He didn't answer, and she didn't seem to mind as she surveyed the room. Retro Nosferatu. Not what I would have done, but then I'm not married to sunproof shutters like you must be. With a shrug, she headed for the bathroom. Taking a shower, she said airily over her shoulder. He raised his brows in surprise. Not knowing what else to do, he said, very well, and sat once more. At the doorway, she removed her tight blouse, leaving only a lacy black bra. She turned to him, 
revealing her scantily clad breasts, when she bent to remove her boots, creamy flesh almost spilled free. Why give him this show? He was usually quick to determine people's motives. Yes, she wanted her freedom, but he didn't believe she'd sleep with him for it. Perhaps she was truly mad. Most maddened people didn't think they were, but she seemed to be proud of it. Maybe she simply didn't view stripping in front of him and making herself at home in a stranger's bedroom as odd. In fact, he suspected she didn't see them as strangers at all. She untied the fastening of her silky skirt, and it too fell to the ground, leaving her in only that bra and an intricate pair of wispy black underwear. They were like a work of art, or a ribbon decorating one. A fine gold chain round her tiny waist caught his attention. The unusual design appeared very old, but the metal gleamed like new when she moved. She gave him a teasing smile. Vampire-like? He scowled because he did like, very much. She unfastened the front of her bra. Would she remove? Off went her bra. He ran a hand over his mouth at the sight of those high, plump breasts. Could they be any more beautiful? He could spend hours tonguing those coral pink nipples and fondling her pale flesh. He began to speak, then had to cough into his fist to continue. You'll strip in front of a vampire when you don't even know his name? She gasped with mock horror and covered her breasts with her hands. You're right, so what's your name? My answer will not be as forthcoming as yours. What do you want it to be? She smiled at that and replied, Some kind of name befitting a battle-scarred, overgrown vampire warlord. Battle-scarred? Overgrown? Why in the hell should he care how she saw him? She was divinely wrought, but mad. He'd taken his scars with his sanity. Nikolai Roth, he grated. For a second, he thought recognition flickered in her eyes. But then she breathed. Oh, you are good. Roth, the old word for rage. That's a bingo idea for a warlord's name. Her hands dropped. I'll just call you by that. She shook her head with a rueful smile, as if she couldn't believe he was so clever. As a hatter. Then she leaned back against the doorway, raising her arms above her head and grasping her elbows, displaying her mouth-watering breasts and flashing a flirtatious smile that would have dropped most men to their knees. She asked in that whiskey voice, "'Care to join me, Roth?' She winked when she said his name and rolled her hips. No, he bit out. He didn't want her to know his body didn't respond to hers. His mind did. His vague memories of being human did, but not his body. He was the walking dead. No respiration, no heartbeat, no sexual need. Or ability. Not until he found his predestined bride and she bloodied him fully. With his blooding, something inside him, maybe even his soul, would recognize her as his. The woman he could love without measure, if one believed in love. And his body would wake for her. In the past, he'd yearned for his bride, because she would bring him power. He would become as strong as blooded vampires, his senses as acute as theirs. But he'd never missed sex before this. And Nikolai knew she was not his. The display should have blooded any vampire. She shrugged. 
the movement a sight to behold, then entered the bathroom. Ten minutes later, she emerged with a towel wrapped around her. He suspected she'd used his toothbrush, which charmed him for some reason. She traipsed to his closet and dropped the towel, leaving her with only her chain. At the sight of her exquisite ass, he swallowed. Have you no modesty? Never in his life had he encountered a female so quick to be naked. Of course, he'd never encountered a female who should so utterly be naked at any chance. Not at my age, she said. He frowned. She looked young, maybe early twenties. When she began exploring his recently unpacked clothing, he found his head tilting as she moved. The chain swayed at her waist, and her long, damp hair cascaded over her breasts. She turned, giving him a particularly rewarding glimpse. He stifled a groan, a true redhead, and he couldn't have her. How old are you? he rasped. Physiologically, I'm twenty-five. Chronologically, I'm not. So you are an immortal. An amused smile played about her lips. I am. She pulled on one of his shirts. It swallowed her, the collar bearing over one shoulder, the hem hitting her knees. Why did you stop aging at twenty-five? When I was strongest, not for the same reason you were frozen at, she eyed him. Thirty-four? Thirty-five. And why do you think I stopped aging then? She ignored him to continue digging. After a few moments, she plugged an antique bejeweled cross from his bag. She held the relic away from her, keeping her gaze from it. You're Catholic? Yes, it was a gift from my father, to help keep him alive in wartime. Nikolai shook his head at the irony of just how well it had worked. I thought I was the one who should be repelled by a cross. Only a turned human would say that. Besides, I'm in no way repelled. With jewels like that, if I look at it, I'll want it. So you wouldn't want it because you're a Catholic? My family was orthodox pagan. Can I have it? Can I? Can I, Rolf? Put it back, he said, fighting the unfamiliar urge to grin. With a pouty expression, she returned it, mumbling something about tight-fisted vampires. Then she dipped her feet into his boots and turned to him with her hands on her hips. His lips almost curled at the sight of her, a mad pagan immortal trying on his boots. What did your mother feed you, she teased, Renaissance anabolics? His urge to smile faded. My mother died young. So did mine, he thought he heard her murmur, the first time and I was born after the Renaissance. She withdrew her feet from his boots and sauntered past him, but not by much. That's true, and why do you think I stopped aging at thirty-four? he asked again. She frowned as she didn't know where his question had come from, then said, Because naughty Christoph found you dying on the battlefield, decided you'd make a fine recruit, then made you drink his blood. Bitter wrist open, perhaps. Then with his vampiric hoodoo blood in your veins, he let you die. Unless he was in a hurry, in which case he would have killed you. A couple nights later, you rose from the dead, probably with a frown on your face as you thought, Holy shit, it worked. He ignored the last and asked, How do you know the blood ritual? He'd thought only vampires knew the true way to turn a human. In books, the change always came as a result of a vampire's bite, when in fact a human had more chance of turning if he bit the vampire. 
Like I said, I know everything. Yes, but he was learning. She was an immortal who'd been frozen physiologically at twenty-five. If a pagan, she was at least several hundred years old. She knew of the blood ritual and that Kristoff recruited his soldiers straight from the battlefield. She scooped up her clothes, marched to his door, and yanked it open, then snapped her fingers for a guard. Nikolai merely watched like a bystander. Psst, minion, I need these laundered. Very little starch. Don't just stand there gawking, or you'll anger my good frenemy, General Roth. We're like this, she twinned two fingers together. Once she'd foisted her laundry on the guard, she closed the door and dramatically leaned back against it, as if to say, You can't get away from me now. Then she glided over to him. As a rule, he observed, he calculated, and he waited for his move, but he'd never enjoyed watching events unfurl this much. Unpredictable didn't begin to describe. She clutched his shoulders and straddled him. Nothing between them but his pants and a few inches. He could feel her heat. She was definitely not his bride, or he would have ripped through his zipper to get inside her. His heart would have started to beat, his lungs drawing their first breath. In the space of one of those breaths, he would have been buried so deep in her tightness, wrenching her down on him. Now, Roth, we need to work out some logistics. When I'm kept as a pet, my care is very involved. His brows drew together. I have no wish to keep you as a pet. You hold me prisoner. You think to order me? How does this differ? You're not my pet, he insisted. He couldn't think. Her eyes were mesmerizing, and her sex remained so close to his. That heat. She leaned in to murmur at his ear. What if I want you? To be your pet. Would you like that, vampire? She grasped his wrists and moved his arms to the chair armrest. She gave both of his hands a squeeze to tell him she wanted them to stay there. He wasn't about to move, couldn't imagine what she'd do next. Her fingers brushed their way over his chest, unbuttoning his shirt. If I was your pet, you could keep me for your pleasure, and I would serve you in every way you desire. She pulled his shirt open, clearly admiring his chest. Hard. Her voice was breathy. Scars. She moistened her lips. At sunrise, you would fall asleep, still deep inside my body. I'd wake you at sunset with my lips wrapped around your shaft. You could break your fast with a drink from one of my thighs. God Almighty. Her hand trailed down, her eyes raptly following the jagged scar that had been his death blow. I am here for the taking, and ache for your touch. Before he could grip her wrist, she reached down and cupped him. His lack of an erection didn't seem to surprise her. Her seductive look vanished as she felt his cock. Well, my word, Roth, she arched her eyebrow. If you were hard, I wouldn't know whether to be tantalized or terrified. Then with blurring speed, she was off him, and on the bed, lying on her stomach, chin propped on her hands. She was unfettered by what had just occurred, while he was angered and shamed. He wanted to show her hard. How do you plan to keep me here during the day, she asked. An unblooded forebearer shouldn't be so difficult to vanquish. 
Vanquished by her? Amusing. I'll send you back to your cell. You want to be my pet? I'll take you out of your cage and put you back in at my pleasure. She blinked at him. You don't want to send me back. Who will entertain you? I can deal poker and make shadow animals. He shook himself. This was just another instance of the law playing with them. She was not normal. If she could be unaffected, he could pretend it. I want you to answer some questions. I need to know what you are and what your name is. I might tell you if you answer some of my own questions. Done, he said quickly. Ask. Were you afraid when Christoph stood over you? Strange question. I was tired. Most mortals would have been terrified to see the grave walker. Is that what he's called? Christoph would find that amusing. At her nod, she said, Well, I'd seen a lot by then. What's his agenda? Does he want to replace Demistriou? Nikolai hesitated, and then answered honestly, hoping she would do the same. He wants his crown back, but he doesn't want to rule over any faction except our own. Aha, uh -huh, she raised an eyebrow, as if she didn't believe him, then asked, That was your brother in the dungeon? Murdoch, yes. Turned vampires don't usually have family. Murdoch died in the same battle. I have two other brothers turned later as well. You're young, yet you're a general. How'd you swing that? He was more than three hundred years old. Young compared to her? I refused to accept the dark gift unless certain conditions were met. Her eyes grew bright with new interest, and she patted the bed for him to come sit with her. He felt as if he was on the verge of learning something, so he complied, resting against the headboard to face her, stretching his legs out. He almost laughed. The first time he'd been in bed with a woman in centuries, and she was easily the most beautiful of any before. Yet he could do nothing with her. He couldn't even drink her, though his fangs ached to pierce the pale column of her neck. Thank God he'd fed before he'd sent for her. Roth, you bartered with Christoph as you lay dying? When put like that, his negotiation sounded more reckless than it had been. As Nikolai had lain in his own cooling blood, nearly freed of the constant struggle of the never-ending war of starvation and disease, he'd told Christoph, You need me more than I need to live. Christoph had seen him in many battles and agreed. I did, Nikolai said. I was used to giving orders and would take them from no one but a powerful king. I wanted my brother turned if he was dying and trusted compatriots as well. Christoph complied. That wasn't all. Nikolai had asked for sixty years so he and Murdoch could watch over the rest of their living family, their father, four sisters and two brothers. Already too late to save them. You know, I've heard of you when you were a human, she said. Weren't you called the Overlord? This surprised him by kinder tongues. How could you have heard of me? Your accent isn't from the Northlands. She sighed. Not any more. I've heard of you because I'm interested in all things martial. You were quite the vicious leader. His voice grew cold. We were defending. I was anything I needed to be to see it done. Her lips parted, as if she couldn't help herself. She sidled closer to him on the bed. She'd clearly liked this answer. More gently, she said, but in the end, you lost. 
He stared past her everything. The enemy had already scorched and salted their lands. Famine and plague had followed. Nikolai's country had been like a dying man. That last battle, the final blow. Wrath, she said softly. He turned his gaze to her. Let's make a pact, you and I. Her eyes were so captivating in her ethereal face. Let's vow we won't harm each other in this room. When he nodded, she flashed him a warm smile that made him feel praised. She guided him to lie back, and he complied. What would she do next? She eased open her legs and knelt between them. With the back of her hand, she smoothed her damp hair to one side, baring her tantalizing neck. A rush of her intoxicating scent swept him up like a drug. If she smelled like this, what would she taste like? Heaven? He wished she'd bared her supple flesh in offering to him. He imagined her cry as he pierced her for the first time. Wrath, this is embarrassing, she murmured in a sensual voice. But I think I've caught you staring at my neck hungrily. He did, he admitted. She'd caught him contemplating his order's most reviled crime, and yet he felt no shame. Odd. She brushed her fingertips over her skin. Are you tempted to take a drink from me? In the worst way. He wondered how many times Ivo had sampled her and felt some unfamiliar feeling claw in his gut. We don't drink from living beings. It's how we got our name. Forbearing was his order's pledge. They're packed. Nikolai had never tasted flesh as he drank. But then he'd had no inclination to before her. Why? So we are never lured to kill, he said, giving her the official line, which was true, but the whole truth was more complicated, and they kept the details they'd managed to learn secret. When a vampire drank living blood, blood not separated from its source, he would harvest his victim's memories. Christoph believed these memories drove natural-born vampires insane and turned their eyes permanently red. As far as the forebearers could determine, the only way to avoid this was to drink blood that had died, avoiding the evils and the benefits. What if you drank from an immortal who couldn't be killed from that, she asked, her words lulling. He couldn't seem to take his eyes from hers. An immortal would have far too many plaguing memories, vastly more than a mortal. He answered her question with one of his own. Do you want me to take your flesh, creature? The mere idea made his words rough, his fangs ache. At her titillating look, he feared she'd say yes, calling his bluff. What would he do then? Rain check, she answered brightly. Then, to his shock, she curled up between his legs. Nuzzling her face against his uncovered torso, she wrapped her pale arms around his thigh. I never asked my question, he said, staring at the ceiling, trying to sound casual. He'd seen a great many things in his life, but this female was throwing him. We have all the time in the world for that, do we not? She kissed the scar on his lower stomach and gave it a slow little lick. He lay tensed, rasping. At least tell me your name. Mist, she whispered, then fell asleep. Mist, how fitting that she was named after something so intangible and capricious. 
In sleep, his little pagan clutched his leg with her pink claws, and they were claws, sharp and curling, though somehow elegant. Imagining that she clutched him for comfort, he ignored the pain, for it was little compared to his sense of satisfaction. For hundreds of years, the army had been constantly on the move, hiding in the shadows of the Northland in grueling conditions, keeping their growing numbers secret. Everything had been about the war, all adding up to this attack. Now he savoured merely resting with her, doing nothing but watching as her hair dried into glossy red curls. He brought a lock to his face and brushed it over his lips, so soft like her flawless skin. Tomorrow night, if she'd given him information, could he lash her skin to get her secrets? After Mist had clung to him so trustingly, could he break her bones and bear seeing pain in those green eyes? If she were his bride, he would have been forbidden from ever harming her, his life given over to protecting hers. He ran the backs of his fingers down her silken cheek as her light, quick breaths warmed his stomach. He had never truly felt the sting of jealousy in his life, had never envied other men, except those who enjoyed peace in their land. Nikolai had been born affluent, his family aristocratic, and fortune had followed him until the latter years of his mortality. To envy was to lack. So why did he want to destroy any vampire who might be bloodied by her? Was that good for you too, gentle listener? Should your thirst for this particular tale be yet unslaked, look no further than the Amazon, or perhaps your local book merchant. I've taken the liberty of including links to the author's work in the story notations. If you have enjoyed your visit, please be sure to sing praises of the lily on high to your acquaintances, significant others, and fellow personages of estimable taste. Bellowing from either rafter or rooftop is cautiously encouraged. However, five-star reviews and social media shares are preferable. Should you be so inclined, one may also happen upon news, updates, and a veritable plethora of other such erotic goings-on at www.moistlily.com. I bid you warm and dewy salutations until our next chance encounter.